Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Hello, everybody. I'm Julia. It's so nice to be here with you today. Hello, Battersea Online. I think they are streaming in. Um, And everybody else who's joining us online, it's so awesome to be with you this morning. Um, My name's Julia. My husband and I, Michael, moved from South Africa almost a year ago, actually, and we lived the lockdown life for six months and couldn't meet anyone and couldn't do anything, and that was very hard. Um, But during that time, we joined V61 online and have been coming in person since then. If you have seen my husband preach, you'll get a really great insight into our differences and personality. (laughs) When he comes up here, he's got the iPad and the watch with a timer on it and all slick, slick tech. I have many handwritten notes in purple, (laughs) a flowery journal and my Bible. Um, so I hope I'm going to stay on time, but um, <laughs> it's a joy to be with you. I'm just going to pray before we start. Oh, Father, we just thank you for who you are this morning, God, and just thank you that you're always with us, that we're never alone. Would you come and fill this room? Would you fill Battersea with your presence right now? Would you fill every heart and every home who's streaming and online this morning? And would you speak to us, Jesus? Would you give us fresh insight into this beautiful thing called worship? In Jesus' name, amen. I don't want to sound exactly like SP sounded last week, but we were also at Battersea two weeks ago. And I just wanted to say that as we were worshiping with you, it was just so clear to me how hungry you guys are for the Lord. It's so beautiful. Um, And Holly and Elias are doing an amazing thing in leading you guys. And we just want to bless you. I just want to bless you this morning. It's, It's amazing. Um, Okay, so I'm going to be talking about the power of worship. Um, We're in a series of worship, as Espy said last week, and I get to speak on this amazing thing. And um, yeah, worship has changed my life. Um, It has changed my life. I'm not speaking from not knowing. Um, I was a very, very, very terrified little girl, crippled by anxiety at age eight. Um, And I began to encounter the living God in a very real way. And I'm going to share some of my story today as we speak. But basically, there's this golden thread through my life from about eight to now. I'm 26. So for the last sort of 17 years, I have seen God call me back time and time again to this place of worship, to this place of praise, Um, in the hardship, in the darkest moments of my life. And each time, he has done a a deeply significant thing and transform my life. And and so we're going to look a little bit at that today. And and I'm going to share some of my story, but we're also going to look at some amazing passages of scripture that just show this thing. Um, Yeah. And so we we all worship something. Um, 
We worship what we love, as Steve was saying, just in those illustrations of sport. You just have to go to a sports match and see that everybody worships something. Um, There's something innate in us that looks at something that we deem good or beautiful, um, that we love, and everything in us cries out yes to that thing. Um, And we were wired for that. We were wired for love. And so we were wired for worship. Um, And I just want to start there, that we're all worshiping something. And my heart this morning is to call us deeper into true worship of the living God. Um, But just have that at the back of your minds. We worship what we love. What do you love this morning? And when we talk about worship, sometimes I think we can throw around these big words and we don't always know what they mean. And just very simply, um, the sort of um, dictionary definition of worship is is around your devotion. So giving something your full devotion. What are you devoted to and what do you serve? Um, what do you adore? But when we talk about worship in the biblical sense and, and in the church sort of setting, we often are referring to praise as well. Um, and so we, when we talk about worship, it's often musical. It doesn't always have to be. Um, but praise is such a key part of the way we adore God, the way we devote our lives to him, the way we declare who he is. John was saying that this morning, who he is, what he's done, and what he's able to do. And so when I'm speaking about worship today, I, I am going to speak about devotion declaration and exaltation. What do we lift up in our lives? Praise and service. Who are we serving? And often this includes a sound. So last week, SP spoke about um, we worship a known God and we worship a God who wants to be found. He's not good at hide and seek. He's, he's not good at staying hidden. And when we look, we will find him. And that's been the story of my life. Um, and when Jesus died on the cross, um, there's a beautiful recollection of that moment right through the Gospels. There was this thick, thick t- curtain that separated the most holy place in the temple from the rest of the people. And, and only the priests could walk behind that curtain at certain times of of the year. And it was very thick. I can't remember the exact width, but I remember someone once explaining to me, it was like a brick wall, a few brick walls, thick, this curtain. It was made of like heavy, heavy velvet. And when Jesus died on the cross, there were people obviously around the temple and they heard this loud crack. And basically the curtain tore from ceiling to floor. And what that symbolized very powerfully that from that moment on, we, any man, any person can walk straight into the most holy place and we can encounter God for ourselves. And so as we share this this morning, I just want to sort of start there that God is, he is He has made a way for us to know him through Jesus. Um, And we get to enter into that place today. And so if we, I'm going to speak on the power of worship this morning. And if we want to be a people of power, we want to see things happen. We want to see cities transformed. We want to see lives transformed. We want to see people like healed and restored by the power of God. That's it's right through scripture. And I think sometimes we can read these things and go like, that's amazing, but I'm not really seeing it happening around me. You know what I mean? It can feel a bit distant. And I want to look at this a little bit this morning, because if we want to be a people of power, and I believe God has called us to be a people of power, we need to be a people of his presence, because the power rests in the presence of God. 
And when Jesus came to the earth, he started to speak about his Holy Spirit, his presence being left on the earth. And he ascends into heaven and he says to his disciples, but I will send another one. I will send my spirit. And actually, you need him more than you need me right now. And that always blows my mind because I'm like, surely we need Jesus in the flesh. But actually, he said, no, you're going to need my Holy Spirit more than you need me. And so, and so he left his spirit, his presence on the earth. And that is the way we, we have direct access to him. We sense him sometimes physically in the room. Sometimes we feel really emotional, sometimes very peaceful. All these different ways we know his presence. So to be a people of power, we need to be a people of his presence. And to be a people of presence, we need to be a people of praise. And in Psalm 22 verse 3, it says that God comes and inhabits the praises of his people. And when I got this into my mind a few years ago, everything started to change. (laughs) Because I started to realize that if he says that, it must be true which means that every time I sing, every time I praise him, he actually comes and he fills my praise. To inhabit is to dwell within, it's to live. He lives in our praise. And if that's true, then I need to see that start like changing things around me. Um, And so to illustrate this, we're going to look at 2 Chronicles 20, an amazing, amazing story in the Old Testament. Um, And so if you can turn there with me, or I think it's going to come up on the screen. So just to give you a little bit of context, um, the king of Judah at the time was a man named Jehoshaphat, and um, he, was a, he was a righteous man. The word talks about him being very set after God and, and walking in the ways of David, who was his, is his ancestor, and we know David's heart was totally after the Lord, and Jehoshaphat has been seeking God and been leading the people in the ways of God. Um, And in in chapter 20, what happens is that he gets word that three groups, surrounding groups of people, are rising up against Judah, and they're going to come and attack his kingdom. And we're going to just set off from verse 2. And it says, Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. And then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. And we're just going to keep skip over a little bit. But basically, he goes into this prayer where he declares who God is and what he's done for these people before. And then right at the end, he says, um, he's speaking about the enemy who's coming after him. He says, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which is the land that God had given them when they came out of Egypt, which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah. And he then speaks and he says, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. 
King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours, but God's. And he starts to give them a, a few instructions of what to do. And essentially, he says that this battle you will not need to fight in, but God is going to fight on your behalf. On your behalf. So go down, take up your positions, but do not fight. Simply stand and watch the Lord work on your behalf. And the people are so overwhelmed with this incredible piece of news. I mean, you know, a few days ago, they thought it was absolutely the end of their kingdom. They were about to be taken out by three different groups of people who had all come together to come against them. And now suddenly the Lord's saying, Don't even fight, just stand, and I'm going to take them out. You know what I mean? Sometimes the Lord says these strange things to you and you're like, hmm, is that really going to happen? Is that really going to happen? But at the same time, it's this incredible sense of like, well, if it's true, everything's going to change. And so what they do is they are so overwhelmed and they begin, it says here, they begin to worship the Lord. And the Levites, who were the priests at the time, they go out and they stand up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And listen to this. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. This is Absolutely a beautiful story. Um, and what happens is that God comes upon his people and he fills them with his presence. And he says to them, you're not going to have to fight. You're just going to have to go and stand. And I'm going to fight on your behalf. And Jehoshaphat is a righteous man and he's a great leader in this moment. And he understands that, that he needs to send out the Levites who were and the priests and, and those, the tribe who was set aside to praise God, literally their whole lives were dedicated to praise. And he sends them before the army. They haven't even begun to fight. They haven't even seen any sign of victory. And he says to them, declare the goodness of God before, before you even see it, before you even see the battle. Sing of his victory. And as they began to sing, God sets an ambush against the enemies. There's something that happens when we praise God. We invoke Him to work on our behalf beyond what we can even see. He delights in our praise. He wants to save us. He wants to work on our behalf. He wants to set us free. And they, the story goes on, and they get up to this viewpoint, and they look out, and and they hadn't even seen anyone yet. They get there and they look out. Every single person is dead. Every single enemy is dead. They've all killed each other. And, and there's so much plunder. They have to go and get all these goods and clothing. There's so much. It takes them three days. Three days to carry it back. Let me tell you that is how the Lord works. <laughs> 
when we seek Him, when we set our faces to seek Him, when we do not know what to do, but we set our hearts to seek the Lord, He is faithful to come with His presence and to empower us to stand. And as we praise Him, as we lift up declaration of who He is, of what He's done, He goes out and He smashes our enemies. And when we get there, He doesn't just leave us there, but He says, take the plunder, take the abundance. And it's an amazing, amazing reality when we walk with the Lord. So as I said, when I was, um, I was about eight, I fell into what I can only say is really a very deep, dark depression that was um, sort of a result of prolonged anxiety. Um, and I was obsessed with death, totally obsessed with death. I don't think that's a normal thing that an eight-year-old goes through. Um, but that was my life. And I grew up in a beautiful home. My parents loved the Lord. We, we grew up going to church, and, and they were amazing, amazing people. Um, but this thing got a hold on me. And, and eventually it was so bad that my, my parents couldn't ever leave me. They had to stop going out in the evenings. Um, even getting to school was just an absolute nightmare because I would just be screaming the whole way, trying to hide, just absolutely terrified. My parents are big runners, and every time they would go out for a run, I would be absolutely convinced for that hour that they were dead. Um, and just so much adrenaline and so much fear. Um, and towards the end of that year... My mum and dad actually had to go out, and I was trying to stop my mum from leaving, and I was wrapped around her legs, screaming. I remember this like it was yesterday. And eventually, my mum just sat down on the floor, and she looked at me, and she said, Jude, Dad, and I love you so much, and we want to take this away from you, but we can't. But do you know who Jesus is? And something went off in my heart. And she said, do you want to invite Jesus to come into your life and to take this thing away? And I knew what she was saying was true. When you hear the truth, something in you gets set off and something went off in me. And I said, yes. And I invited the Lord, my eight-year-old self, into my heart that night. And within days, my life started to change. I started to love school I wasn't so afraid anymore. I started wanting to try things. I remember a few weeks later, my mom said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm just so happy. I don't know why. And God did this unbelievable thing in my life. But it doesn't always, <laughs> it doesn't always go forever. I don't know if you've ever had that thing. <laughs> when you've walked through something and you, you encounter the Lord and he sets you free in an amazing way. But then a few years later, you're like, Mm-mm. back, back in that place. Don't really know why. Um, that has been my story. So anyway, I, I met the Holy Spirit when I was 12, similar again to SP on a, on a youth weekend away. I was filled with the Spirit of God and, and he began to speak to me about my life. And um, since I was very, very young, there's some of my family and old friends in the room today, they would know I've sung so I used to sing when I was tiny, and I just sang in a, quite a secular way. I used to sing in musicals and things like that, choirs and things. Um, but from about 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, I would be singing in a show or something. And if there was a Christian in the room, like a, a follower of Jesus, often they would come up to my parents and say, there's something about Julia's voice. When she sings, 
people get set free. She's going to sing and people are going to get set free. And so they started telling me this thing, you know, as parents do. <laughs> and I was a little bit like, what does that mean? Um, I'm just singing my songs. I was like in Chicago or something. <laughs> and, and, you know, they're like, when Julia sings, like people are going to get set free. Um, and I didn't realize, but what God was starting to do was start to speak to me about what he wanted to teach me. Um, yeah. And so years later, I was at university in Cape Town. And as I said, the fear had sort of been dealt with in a big way. It had, it had shown its head through different moments of my life, but nothing drastic, nothing like that. And I knew the Lord. I was walking with the Lord. And in my second year at university, I fell into a very, very, very deep, dark place of anxiety. Um, there was a lot going on at the university that I was a part of. There, were, there was a huge movement that was happening, and there was a lot of turmoil, a lot of confusion. And what happened was I developed a form of OCD, um, which for me was very limited to my thinking, but I would go round and round and round and round, all the what-ifs, thinking, um, particularly for me, around death and dying and symptoms in the body. So I was absolutely obsessed with the disease. And let me tell you, and I, I, I have been through it all. <laughs> I thought I had rheumatoid arthritis. I thought I had a brain tumor. I thought I had some terrible thing in my lungs. I thought I was losing all feeling. And you name it, I've had it. Um, and, and this was a daily, daily thing. I couldn't get out of bed some days because I was so crippled with the fear of death. Um... And a few, yeah, and I was lying in my room the one day, and I realized that I had said I had believed in the Lord for a long time. And I remember I took this Bible, it was this Bible out, and I was just holding it, and I remember saying in a desperate cry to God, because if you know fear, it's very difficult when, when you haven't experienced yourself, but fear is a crippler. It takes you out at the knees, and it bends you like this, and all you see is yourself. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to bend us and take us out, and it's so inward. And when you're outside of it, you're like, get a grip. You'll be fine. But when you're in it, it's t it's, it is totally paralyzing, and I speak from experience. So I'm lying in my bed, and I don't know what to do. Sounds familiar. The great horde is coming against me. Um, and I think I'm dying. Just bear that in mind. And um, I see my Bible, and I suddenly start to think to myself, is it true? Is that book telling me the truth? Has it been telling me the truth for all these years? Because if it is, I'm not living that. I'm not free. I'm crippled. I'm not peaceful. I'm not seeing God fight on my behalf. <laughs> And I took my Bible and I opened it, I don't know to what, on the floor. And I lay prostrate on the floor with my face in the Bible. And I sobbed for two hours. And I literally said to the Lord, if it's real, I don't even have the energy to read it. Get it into my brain. <laughs> literally. Literally, I was like, I'm done. I don't, I don't even have what it takes to read this thing. Put it into me. And God started to take me to 2 Chronicles 20. And he said, I want to fight for you, Julia. 
I want to fight for you, but I've given you a weapon and I've given you a tool. That song, that sound that I started to call out of you at age nine, and it doesn't mean you have to be a singer. It does not mean you have to be a singer, but God was using my story to teach me something that day. And he said, I'm not going to just take this away because I want to teach you how to fight for when it comes again. I want to put a tool in your hand. Sometimes he does that. He's a loving father. There are moments where he just takes the thing away and he heals Kelly's hips. How amazing. Like just heals the thing in an instant. I've seen it. I've seen cancer disappear before my eyes. But there are other times where he says, I'm going to put a tool in your hand. I'm going to give you a weapon because we're going to walk this thing together. And that day he said to me, sing, Julia, sing, sing, sing. Tell me who I am. Sing back to me what you know. And I remember I had just heard the song called The Lion and the Lamb. It was 2015 and it had just come out. I saw it on a random Bethel recording. And I just had the chorus stuck on my head. And I was broken. Let me tell you, I was broken. I didn't know what to do. And I wrote on a piece of paper what I was facing, what I was afraid of in my body at the time. And I put it on the floor and I stood on the floor. I said, my God is the lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and he's fighting my battles. And every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. And I sang that for about an hour and a half. (laughs) Over and over and over again. And it didn't all just disappear, but something started to happen inside of me. Because when we praise, we can't stay like this anymore. Because to praise Him means you have to look at Him. You have to lift your face. Praise lifts our gaze to see his face. And when we see him, everything else starts to find its rightful place in our lives. Ooh, okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's another beautiful passage of scripture in Acts 16. So this is now a few hundred years later from that moment with, with Jehoshaphat. Do you know, that was the kingdom of Judah. That was the people of Judah who were praising God and seeing him work. The, the word Judah means praise. It was in their DNA. It was in their name. God had set them up as the people of praise. And we know that Jesus comes from the line of Judah. He comes from the people of praise. And if you are in Jesus today, if you've given your life to Jesus, you are his heir. You inherit all that he is. You're a person of praise. And so whether you like it or not, it's in your bones. (laughs) So um, in Acts 16, Paul and Silas, they've encountered Jesus. He has now ascended to heaven. And, and this is really the, the um, mission of the church beginning to break out. And, and Paul's really leading that. Um, and, and they're on their way to Macedonia. God calls them to go there. And on their way, they're going through different towns. And basically, Paul and Silas are on their way to pray. And this woman, who is, the Bible tells us, possessed by a demon, starts following them and starts declaring who they are. And and she says, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out. 
But this woman was a fortune teller, basically. She had this spirit of divination that was allowing her to make um, sort of prophecies over people. Um, and, and she was a slave girl. She was owned, and her owners were profiting off her skill set. Um, and, and so when Paul delivered her from this demon, he sets her free. They are furious because their money and their way of making money is gone. Um, and so they are seized, Paul and Silas, and they are thrown into prison. And it says, having received this order, the jailer, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Now, this is a rough prison. This is not like prison today. It's basically just walls of stones. It's probably dark and damp and dreadful. And they're not even just in the normal prison. They're in the inner prison because he's so worried about them escaping. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everybody's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Paul cried, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Um, and it goes on to say that the jailer is so overwhelmed by what has happened that he says to Paul and Silas, how can I believe? What do I do to believe in this power, in this God who's just set you free? And he gives his life to Jesus that day. But this is an incredible thing. They were broken. They'd been beaten and flogged. They'd been thrown into prison, all for setting a girl free. It's pretty rough. And then they're in there. And instead of, I mean, if it were me, honestly, I think I'd be on the floor weeping my eyes out, thinking my life is over. And instead, they start to sing and praise. And there's something that we learn from these two people. They knew enough of the Lord. They knew enough of who He was, that in the midst of great suffering and hardship, they could rejoice. And in 1 Peter 4, it, it, it calls us to rejoice. It says, when you face great suffering, rejoice. And Paul had something of that inside of him. The Holy Spirit was so with him that he could be filled with joy and lift up a song. And what happens as they praise, just like the people of Judah? The presence of God comes with such power, with an earthquake shakes the whole room, that not Paul and Simon, they're not the only ones who get free. Every single prisoner in that prison gets freed. And, and this is what happens for us too. So a few years later, God had started to set me free as I was learning to sing my way out and into his presence, getting my eyes on him. And a year later, I lived with one of my best friends. I think she's actually watching online. And um, we were driving home from church and she was in her car and I was in my car just behind her. And um, she... In South Africa, there are things called minibus bus taxis, which are sort of the equivalent to your cabs and your taxis, but it's a whole different story as well. <laughs> um, anyway, and there was a taxi in front of her, and he was just stalling. It was late at night, wasn't moving. We were coming from a church meeting, and I'd taken a slightly different road. Anyway, she's stuck behind the taxi, and she's frustrated. And so she pulls out in front of the taxi, pulls across and carries on driving. 
What she didn't realize is that she crossed a solid line. And suddenly I see her in front of me, and then I see another car behind her with lights. So it was an undercover car. It didn't look like a police car. Suddenly she's pulled over. I pull over, and I watch a policeman arrest my friend um, in front of me. And I run out the car and I'm screaming at this man. And, and to be honest, he, he was in an undercover vehicle. I didn't know if it was legitimate. Um, there had been previous sort of scams in South Africa where, where policemen were using their sort of authority to yeah, get things out of people. And I was very, very worried that it wasn't real. And so I was running at the car and I was shouting, do you not have mercy? Literally, I don't know why that's what came out of me. <laughs> um, and he, she couldn't speak to me, and she was taking off her rings and her watch, and he was cuffing her, and I was like, what is happening? And he said to me, your friend is being arrested for reckless driving, and I will be prosecuting, and she is going to jail tonight. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. You don't want to be in a South African jail, especially not as a single woman. Um, and fear just filled my whole body. I was actually ill on the side of the road. I was so terrified. Um, I eventually get home at midnight. We don't know where she is. We don't know what's going to happen. They tell us she's, they're holding her regardless. It was a Thursday night, overnight. I'm up the whole night. I can't sleep. I'm beside myself, just panic. A whole lot of friends come to stay at our house because we're so worried. And in the morning, it's literally been the whole night. I I'm sitting at the breakfast table. I can't eat. I can't speak. Everybody is just beside themselves. And we've heard that if they don't let her out today, she'll stay in for the whole weekend. And honestly, my mind is going, what are they going to do to this girl? What are they going to do to her body, to her mind? And I know she's done nothing wrong. And so suddenly I'm sitting at the table and my friends will tell you the story, but something goes off in my head and I look at them and I'm like, we need to praise. They're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, what are we doing? We need to praise. We need to get our faces before the Lord. 2 Chronicles 20. We need to get our eyes on Jesus. And so some of them are like, you go do your thing. <laughs> and others of them join me. And I'm in my bedroom now. I got the Bible like this, like I only can. And I'm starting to walk up and down. Oh, God is the lion. And we start to sing and we sing and we sing and we sing and we sing of the goodness of God, of who He is, of His faithfulness, of what He's done, of what He's capable of doing. And as we are singing, we don't know, but God is moving on our behalf. And suddenly a whole lot of new policemen come in that day and they find her in the cell and they're like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I don't know. I was arrested. They put me in here. They're like, you are not supposed to be here. You were unlawfully arrested. Get out right now. And they release her and the charges are dropped and she is unharmed. And I saw God go to work on my behalf that day. And let me tell you, I've seen him do it countless times. A year after that, I was in America and remember that my fear was all around the body. And this girl comes up to me. I'm at this worship conference and this girl comes up to me and she's like, never laid eyes on me before. She's like, my mom's sick and dying in hospital. Can you just sing over her? And I'm like, 
what? And she's like, I just feel you, you, you know how to do that. Can you just like praise over her? And God starts to say to me, what I've put in you, I want to now give away. These last few years, I've been teaching you to sing for your own life. I've been teaching you to praise for your own life. But it's time to start giving that away. Then we go into a global pandemic. Everyone starts freaking out about dying. And it's real. It's not not real. We've all faced it. We lose our wedding. That was not expected. Let me tell you, another level of song starts to come out of me. Um, And all this to say that it's not a joke. But it's also not just a recipe. It's not we sing these perfect neat songs and then we get the breakthrough. It's about connection. When we praise him, really, truly, when we sing of who God is, we reconnect with who he is. We behold him. The Bible talks about we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image as him. We become what we behold. So as we lift our faces and we look at Jesus when we praise him, he gets into us at a deep level. And that fear and that anxiety and whatever else you're dealing with, it it might not be those things. It might not be depression. It might not be anxiety. It might be a physical thing. It, It might be stress. It might be whatever it is. Whatever that inner prison that you dealing with this morning, when we begin to lift our eyes to him, he gets a hold of us and he starts to fight on our behalf and slay the enemy before us. He starts to break off our chains and release us from the prison. He starts to blow down our Jericho walls and let us take the inheritance. He starts to shut the mouths of the lions like Daniel. This is what our God does from beginning to the end. Let me tell you. The sound goes out first, and the breakthrough and the freedom just comes rushing in. Amen, amen. <laughs> so it starts, and it starts with the secret place. Um, and, and you might hear that, that phrase, but basically it starts with you and Jesus. Um, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what you're facing. I didn't even know, but today's mental health, World Mental Health Day. And the whole week, the Lord's been saying to me, I want to deal with anxiety and depression on Sunday. And today's that day. (laughs) And we have a God who wants to come and set you free. And it's not about getting the perfect song. You don't even have to be able to sing. But he wants your worship. He wants your devotion. He wants what you have to bring in your way. And I believe this morning that as I've been speaking, there might have been some of you where you've started, even at Battersea, where you've started to feel like your heartbeat increased a little bit, or you might have felt a bit emotional, or you might have resonated with a part of my story and thought, oh, that's how I feel. And if that's you, I really believe God is wanting to set you free this morning, that he wants to meet you. So I'm going to ask the band to come up also at Battersea, James, if, if you can come up. Um, and I'm going to pray for us. I hope this has been helpful. I hope it's made sense. Um, yeah, so I believe the Lord wants to give you a weapon and a tool this morning. As we enter into his presence through praise and thanksgiving, praise lifts our eyes onto him. And when we see him, everything else finds its rightful place. And so I'm going to pray for us. And, and I think there's going to be time in both services for people to come and, and have ministry and, and be prayed for. If you are suffering from this stuff, God wants to set you free. I promise you that. 
There might be some of you this morning who, who haven't actually given your lives to Jesus and, and you're still checking this all out. If, if that's you and you want to chat to someone, there are people to talk to and, and there are people to pray for you. But I'm standing here, I promise you, as a living representation of the power of God. I would, I would not be in this country, let alone in my marriage, let alone probably on the earth. If he hadn't have saved me, I was finished. I was finished. And I promise you, I got so much joy and I'm so full of life only because of him. And so he's able. So I'm going to pray for us now. And then we're going to do what I've been talking about. We're going to praise him. We're going to sing our way into his presence. We're going to let him meet with you. I think sometimes we rely on people to lead us in, but we don't have to. You can sing in your bedroom. You can sing in the shower. You can just mutter away in your car. Just begin to praise him. Begin to tell him who he is and watch him come. He's faithful to come. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Hallelujah. Hey. Mm. Can we just stand? Can we stand? Can you put your hands on your hearts this morning? And if Battersea, we're going to hand back over to you now and, and your service leaders are going to lead you. Come Holy Spirit, we just welcome you, Spirit of God. God, I thank you that you saved me, Jesus. You saved me from a life riddled with fear. You saved me from an obsession with death and you brought me back to life. And God, I thank you this morning that you're able to do it not just for me, but for every person in this room. God, that you are on the throne, Jesus. You are on the throne. And you come in power. You fight on our behalf. Just feel that this morning, that there's some of you that have been fighting so hard. And the Lord says, today you do not have to fight. Watch me fight for you. Just give me your praise. Just give me your love this morning. And Father, particularly this morning, if there are those of you who are facing anxiety and depression, can I ask you to come to the front? Can you be bold? Can you be brave? It's not a shame thing. But when we bring it into the light, we get, we get free. So if you're facing anxiety and depression this morning, can you just come here and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And if there are other parts of, of the story that I shared this morning that are resonating with you, yeah, we just say, come, Lord Jesus, and do what you, only you can do. Thank you for this moment, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I just pray right now for these bold, brave people. Father, where anxiety has got a grip on their lives, would you lift it in Jesus' name? I thank you that you did not send us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. So we just release the sound mind of Jesus over you this morning. And Father, where depression is weighing heavy, where stress and worry and all the what-ifs going round and round and round our brain, where those have been weighing in, right now, Spirit of God, would you come and lift it off? Would you lift off the heavy weight, God? And would you begin to set your children free? Thank you, Lord. The Word says that whom the Son sets free, that's Jesus, is free indeed. Jesus is faithful to set us free. And if you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus is and, and you want to know Him, it's very simple. Just in your heart, you get to say, King Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord. 
and I want to know you. Would you reveal yourself to me? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.